This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you join me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the word to the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm so fired up about today. We got a great topic today. We're focusing on university students and uh, all that comes along with equipping and empowering the next generation with the gospel to have impact for Christ and uh, on, on the world and on their generation. I got a phenomenal guest as well. But before we dive into all of that, one of the things that I love is God's grace when it shows up in our lives. And one of the ways God has demonstrated his grace to you, to me, and today to equip is by giving us an extra day in this month, an extra day in February. It's a leap year. So that means instead of 28 days of February, we get 29 days. And boy, do we need it. And we need it here at Equip for fiscal reasons. We are about $1,800 away from our budgeted goal for this month. And uh, because of the grace of God, normally what would have happened in previous years, yesterday would have been the final day of the month, and we would have said, well, we fell short of that goal, and uh, we would have just had to move on. But because of God's grace, we got one more day to hit that goal. So I'm going to ask you to consider supporting Equip today uh, as we celebrate God's grace with one additional day this month, this February 29th. Can you consider giving a gift to help us to meet our budgeted goal? As I've always said, that we want to have a testimony of both spiritual impact as well as good stewardship. And I think that the church needs both. I think it's so important from an integrity perspective that we demonstrate fiscal responsibility and integrity, while at the same time ministering God's grace, his love, empowering uh, this current generation with the truth of the gospel and infusing a passion for knowing him and making him known. And those are all the things that we're about here at Equip. So your gift today makes all the difference. $1,800 is the deficit right now. It's not a lot. Maybe one person might be able to offset that, or maybe you can do a significant portion. The one thing that I do want to say is so often in my past, when I've come up against uh, a giving need that I didn't have the full amount for, sometimes I will say, well, I won't give anything because I don't have everything. And I don't want you to think about that or think about it in that way. Um, God only holds us responsible for our portion. And it's what we do together collectively as the people of God that makes the difference. So just do your part. Uh, If you have all of that, that's great. If you have a portion of that, that's awesome. So whatever you can do, here's the number to call, 888 644 
888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or go to equipradio.org. I promise to keep you posted throughout this program. But go there now. Your gift of $100 or $500 or $1,000 or more, whatever you can do, all to the glory of God. I thank you for it, and I'll keep you posted. I promise. 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Well, today I get a chance to talk about uh, my life as a pastor and as a parent and how they intersect. Some of you may know I got a senior in high school, so this year has been marked by a wave of emotions as we're preparing for the next phase and stage of life. And in particular, there's been a lot of focus on uh, college life and applications and financial aid and all that comes along with it. But at the top of my list is making sure that our daughter is equipped to have impact, great impact on her generation for Christ. And I want that for you and for your sons and daughters as well. So today, I want to share some things about why university ministry matters, why college students should be uh, a focal point for every ministry, every church. I also want to pray for your college-age sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters. If there's any way that we can pray for them today, I want you to call us at 877-LIVE-675. We want to pray today for university students because I believe, and so have previous generations, as students go, so goes the nation. As our students go, so goes the nation. So if our students are uh, equipped with a passion to know him and to make Christ known, then our nation, uh, future is bright. But if that's not happening, we have a reason to be concerned about the future. When I think about university students, I think about York Moore. I don't know of anyone who has served them more faithfully or better. Over the past 27 years, uh, first with InterVarsity Ministry USA as a national executive director and and catalytic uh, leader and partnership maker globally, and then becoming the president and CEO for the Coalition for Christian Outreach, CCO. York joins me now. He's an author. He's obviously done so much in this area, and it's so awesome that he carved out time to be with us. York, how are you, brother? Man, I'm blessed, and I'm inspired just from your announcements. Now, here's the challenge, Chris. You got somebody (laughs) going to, to college, can you say fast uh, three times fast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, that whole thing is my world right now. You have no idea. They're on the top of my prayer list as well, brother. <laughs> you've obviously been down this road, and you've dedicated, man, uh, so much of your life, your entire ministry life to college and university students. Why? Have you done that? And you could invest your time, talent, and treasure in so many ways, York. Why university students? Well, that's where I first met Jesus. I was raised as an atheist, and when I went to the University of Michigan, uh, I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life. And so I went to college uh, summer of 1987, and I never left. Uh, But the real reason why I've maintained my commitment to the university is that university students are a unique population group. They're not just an age demographic in our churches and in our homes. They're a people group. 
their most mobilizable people group on earth. Only 2% of the world's population has a, a college degree from a four-year institution. Uh, when you think about the, the missional possibilities of a woman or a man who has a university degree going into all of, all of life, into accounting, into architecture, into physics, into teaching, into the pastorate, wherever the Lord takes them, there's something uh, powerful about deploying university students into the world globally. York, how has ministry changed? And I know that's a broad question, but when you look at what your focus was among college and university students, say 20, 25 years ago versus now, what is the biggest difference? Well, every generation has differences. Uh, the differences that we're seeing, however, now are accelerated. Every generation seems substantially different than the previous one. So I'm an Xer. When I became a Christian, we cared about things like the historicity of the Bible, the evidence for the resurrection. You know, we, 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 we demanded a verdict, right? So we investigated yes. our faith and we were engaged in lots of apologetic dialogue. Then millennials came and millennials were passionate about global issues, about social justice, clean drinking water, setting sex slaves free. And those are all very important kingdom things that, that are always important. They, those don't change from generation to generation. Now we're welcoming a unique generation. It's the largest generation in American history. Gen mm -hmm. Z is the most open generation. I was just with David Kinnaman a couple of weeks ago, and he released some new statistics that show that 84% of non-Christians and practicing Christ, or non-practicing Christians rather are extremely open to spiritual dialogue. Mm -hmm. So here we have an opportunity with the largest generation, most biblically illiterate generation, because their parents weren't churched. They weren't bringing them to church. They don't have the religious baggage that millennials and Xers did, and they're coming to our campuses. And Chris, what we're seeing is we're seeing unprecedented numbers of students saying yes to Jesus. Uh, just about a week and a half ago, we had uh, a couple thousand students at the convention center in downtown Pittsburgh, where we're headquartered. I live here in the Ann Arbor area, but I, my office is downtown Pittsburgh. And we had a couple thousand students there. When we gave the call to faith, I will tell you that there was not a single square inch of the front of that stage where they could have squoze another student in. I remember uh, two students particularly were running toward the stage to, to receive Christ. One was dragging the other only because she was out running or she wasn't bringing her unwillingly in tears, giving their lives to Christ. And this is happening really all across the country. I, I co-founded a, a, a partnership coalition called Every Campus we have 120 campus minister, 120 ministries in the Every Campus Coalition, and uh, every single college ministry in America is represented in this coalition. Yes. I was just with the presidents of lots and lots of these um, ministries uh, just a few weeks ago, and every single one of them is saying the same thing. Where they used to see 50 gathering, they're seeing 500. Where they're used to seeing wow. 40, they're seeing 400. Baptizing people in ponds, baptizing people in, uh, you know, um, fountains in the middle of the campus. What we're seeing, I think, is actually the beginning of a move of God that we haven't seen in generations. You know, you, you're bringing up these stories, and they're stories of college revivals uh, that, are, that are capturing the headlines all across the country, which is phenomenal. How do you then respond, York, when you hear stats and stories that Man, faith among Gen Zers is at an all-time low compared to any other gener generation in history. When you hear stories about the fact that they've rejected, uh, you know, the, the claims of Christianity and the church, 
How do you respond to that? Well, I've been studying the birth cohort data that we loosely refer to as Gen Z. I've been studying this birth cohort data for over 10 years, drawing from organizations like Barna and Springtide and you know others, about five different agencies that I've been looking at this data for over 10 years. So many of us who are data nerds, if you, I mean, that's, that was my career before I went into ministry, we're kind of data nerds in the ministry space. We've been, we've been expecting this wave of openness now for about 10 years. And it's just now starting to hit our college campuses. So people who say that Gen Z are closed, I, I think that they're using the wrong metrics. They're asking the wrong questions. They may be closed to expressions of Christianity that are tied to Christian nationalism, uh, right-wing politics, those kinds of things. But we, we are seeing such openness. I had a staff worker in uh, the CCO ministry. I reached out to him just to check in on him. He, he's down there in Orlando, Florida. And he said, York, we gave a call to faith and we had so many students say yes to Jesus for the first time. We didn't know how to follow up with them. Now, the CCO, we do college ministry with the local church. That's our model. We put our staff on staff at churches. We mobilize the church to be on campus, uh, to, sh to share the gospel, to disciple students. He said he brought these brand new Christians, 18, 19, 20-year-old Christians, into the local church, where now they're being discipled by 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old parishioners, and they're getting a vision for how their faith actually matters in all of life. So I think your question, I think just broadly, Chris, I think sometimes we're asking the wrong question. Sometimes we're, we're, we're noticing or, or measuring the wrong things, but there's yeah. no question about it that this generation is the most open generation, I think, in American history. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take your calls at 877-LIVE. Six seven five. If you have a college or university student you want us to pray for, you call right now. It's a blessing to have York Moore on with us. York is uh, seeing God's grace at work in uh, in and through uh, his ministry to university students, seeing over three hundred and thirty thousand come to faith in Jesus Christ over the life of his ministry. What an, a phenomenal! witness to the power and the love of Jesus for a generation. We want to pray with you. We're also going to help to equip you on how you can best minister to university students. So I want you to stick and stay. Also, I want to keep you updated on your generosity. Thanks to Alicia from uh, Thomas Station, Tennessee. Thanks to Daniel from Naperville, Illinois. Gene from Arlington Heights. Praise God, we're only $1,400 away from our budgeted need. Go to equipradio.org now. Good friendships are a blessing. Jesus even said there is no greater love than the sacrificial love between friends. He knows we need each other, but how do we build these powerful relationships? Rebecca McLaughlin has written a guide to help us start, and I highly recommend it. It's called No Greater Love, a biblical vision for friendship. You can have a copy when you support Equip this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit equipradio.org. Maybe you've heard the stories of revival. They're coming out of college campuses from Asbury University in Kentucky to the report that uh, was given by the Washington Times that 200 Auburn students at Auburn University were baptized. What about the report out of Texas A&M that over 120 students were baptized recently at their Corpus Christi campus? That's just one event. 
York Moore is seeing it happen, and we want you to be a part of it, praying for universities, colleges. If, if you are near one, seeing how you can adopt them in prayer, also ministry towards college students, we want to pray for your university sons and daughters as well. Man, I want to see cities transformed, and I want to see an explosion of church planning and global missions, and I believe that God is, uh, His Spirit is on the move, and I want us to be a part of what God is doing. So today, we're focused in on praying for you. Also, just want to mention uh, this uh, February 29th, that's today, is a collegiate day of prayer. That kind of is what sparked us to think about uh, inviting York on so that we could give some focus to this, but about 4,200 campuses across the U.S. have been adopted to pray for them. Um, we can also be praying for the hundreds upon hundreds of churches that are in university towns or campus ministries. But today, in your prayer time, spend some time praying for universities, for campuses, for university students, for revival, for an openness of heart to the gospel, that truth and justice might meet together in their hearts and that God would use them to know him and to make him known to their generation. Let's go to the phone lines, York, if you don't mind. Kim has been listening in Riverforth, Illinois. Kim, thank you so much for listening. How can we pray for you today? Uh, my son, Cole, is trying to get his uh, bachelor's degree. He's in the Air Force working on the engines in the Air Force. My daughter, Bethany, is at Indianola, Iowa, hopefully graduating in six weeks with her bachelor's degree. And my youngest daughter, Faith, is in high school here in Chicago, and she's applying to medical and dental school. Normally, I'm a part of a group called Moms in Prayer International. And so the last two weeks, I've been traveling, so I'm able to reach out to my sisters in Christ to be praying specifically for my children. We pray for school-aged children every week. We pray for that's the awesome. schools. The, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't that's know if you've heard that's of, great. Praise God for that. Well, first off, thank you for what you're doing on that front. And man, what a mom. Uh, this is this is great, York. Cole and Air Force Academy, Bethany in Iowa, Faith is in high school getting ready to go to college. Uh, Kim, we count it an honor to be your prayer partner today. And uh, what an awesome mom's group that is to be praying weekly for our kids but I want to ask uh, my good brother York if he could just take a moment to pray, mm-hmm. Kim, for your kids, for Cole, for Bethany, and for Faith. I'll do that. And it's interesting. She said uh, Moms in Prayer is a fantastic organization. We partnered with them when we did our on-campus uh, prayer campaign in 2019-2020. We went to uh, 4,269 campuses in America. We went to every single one of them on-site praying for a revival, sowing in prayer for a revival, and Moms in Prayer was one of our, our core partners in accomplishing that. You also mentioned the Collegiate Day of Prayer. Today is that Collegiate Day of Prayer. You can adopt the campus at collegiatedayofprayer.org. It is actually easier to find than to say. But uh, today is that <laughs> Collegiate Day of Prayer. And Kim, we're going to pray for your three precious ones right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come before you on behalf of Cole, Bethany, and Faith. We're asking, Lord, uh, in faith, Lord God, that you would bless them, that you would surprise them with your presence, fill them, Lord, with joy, 
Convict them, Lord God, where there is sin. Lord, we pray that you would surround them with women and men who would encourage their faith, Lord God, so that they might grow in their maturity. And we pray that you would release an impact, Lord, in their life, that they might impact those around them on their campuses in Jesus' name. Man, one of the things that I love talking to you about, York, is TikTok. I I just want to say to you, you are awesome, bro. I am so grateful for God laying on your heart to use that platform. Now, a lot of us, when we think of TikTok, we think of either silliness, right? That, oh, this is just a platform full of silliness, or we think of sin, that there's a whole lot of uh, unhealthy stuff there. But you have leveraged it in a beautiful way for advancing the work of the Spirit and uh, I, I would love for you to talk about that ministry of TikTok and and what you've seen God do through it. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's interesting because I got uh, bored, uh, tired of waiting for the <laughs> pandemic to be over as an evangelist. And I thought, how can I preach the gospel when no one will gather and no one's invited me to preach? And so a friend of mine encouraged me to start preaching on TikTok. And I thought, well, you know, TikTok's for dancing and silly things, like you said. And you know, when I hopped on July 5th of uh, 2021, I was unprepared uh, just how much impact I would have immediately. Like immediately, I started seeing tens of thousands of views on 40, 50 second videos about Jesus, explaining the simple gospel, inviting people to pray a prayer of faith, and then indicate that they prayed that prayer of faith in the comments. I then began to go live, migrating my community into um live dialogues where I would preach and answer questions. And over the course of the last couple of years, I've been able to gather about 700,000 followers in my community. And I call it a community because, you know, it is um, people will follow me for different reasons than they'll follow somebody who's giving them cooking tips or something like that. Uh, I just got back from a cruise. And while we were checking in on board down in Louisiana, uh, a young man came to me and he fit the exact profile of the person that I was trying to speak to, 14, 15 years old, young man. And so that's kind of the the audience that I go for. And he came up to me during the onboarding process. And he says, I know you from TikTok. You've had an impact on my life. Can we take a picture? And I've had the experience all all across the country. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most of these people that have been impacted by my TikTok ministry are very young people and who are not churched persons. Right. So they're, 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 their family isn't bringing them to church, but the algorithm knows that they're interested in spiritual things. Now, I have been taking a break while I focus on my new assignment as the president of the Coalition for Christian Outreach. Uh, but the two years that I was posting pretty much every single day, uh, I, I saw hundreds of thousands of people who indicated uh, a first time decision for Christ. And then verifying that, you know, in the comments, people telling me I joined a church because of your TikTok ministry. I'm getting baptized this Sunday because you said how important baptism is as a new believer. I bought my first Bible. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of the real fruit that a ministry like you can have on TikTok is producing in young people today. And I want to go back to the phone lines, but I just wanted to just say it's not lightweight stuff you're talking about. It's substance. Um, and, And I want to get to that in just a moment. But first, let me go to Lynn. Lynn is listening in Ohio. Hey, Lynn, thank you so much for calling. How can we pray for you today? Hi, I was hoping um, you guys could pray for my friend Mackenzie. 
she's 17 and she's going to be starting her first year at university. She's going to Ohio State and she does not know Jesus. Um, but I've been praying for her for a long time. We've known each other for a long time. And um, I'm really hoping that she will find him and begin to go down the right path soon as she starts university. That's awesome, Lynn. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 16. 16 years old. I'm fired (laughs) up. You are such a blessing. Thank you for praying for Mackenzie. Thank you for calling in. York, we got about a minute before we before a break, but can you pray for Lynn and Mackenzie? Even as a Wolverine, I'll pray for Mackenzie down at OSU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you for thank you for Lynn's heart and uh, pray for her friend Mackenzie as she goes to OSU. I pray in those early days that she would have a sense of your presence and that you would uh, draw her close to yourself. I pray for a good Christian fellowship to connect with her, like the CCO or crew or Chi Alpha InterVarsity, so many there at OSU's beautiful campus. And we pray, Lord, you would use those precious first days in the fall to draw her into a new path for your sake, in Jesus' name. Lynn, you keep on following Jesus. Grateful for you. And obviously, we're going to keep on praying for McKenzie's salvation and believing God for it. And as York mentioned, one of the things that in addition to praying for her, that you may want to do is just encourage her to check out one of the great campus ministries there or find a local church that's there uh, on that awesome campus. Man, what a great day it is. It's the Collegiate uh, Day of Prayer. You can find out more at our website, equipradio.org. There we have links for you to find out more about that. You can also find out about uh, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, CCO, York Moore, his writings. We've had him on for his books in the past and praise God for his ministry. Friends are checking in from all over the country to support the program. Thank you, Rebecca and Ann and Michelle, who you support today. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks on this collegiate day of prayer. York Moore has carved out some time to be with us today. 27 years plus of uh, ministry to college students, still going strong, still seeing revival and God moving. According to York, college students are more open to the gospel, more open to a relationship with Jesus than he's ever seen. Man, what encouragement. Today, we're being asked across the country to adopt a campus, adopt a college, a community college, a university, uh, wherever you find yourself in your community, adopt one today and just set aside time to pray for them. Pray for the students, pray for the professors, the administration, pray for the campus ministries, pray for the churches that have ministries on these campuses. And uh, I'm grateful that you are doing just that. Many of you are checking in. You can find out more at our website about how you can be a part of it. Also, as we started our day, we were about $1,800 away from our budgeted goal. The good news is that because of your generosity, we're only $1,300 away from that goal right now. So thank you again to Rebecca from Ohio for your generosity and from Illinois. Thank you for your generosity. What a blessing. Jeremy from Tennessee, 
So awesome to see Tennessee checking in as well. Robert from Michigan. Uh, you know, I'm a Michigander. I've never heard of Jenison, Michigan. Have you heard of that, York? Jenison? I have. You have. You know more of the map than I do, brother. <laughs> and that is okay. Jocelyn from Florida, you're awesome as well. So as God has laid it on your heart, no gimmicks, no games, but I will tell you that what we are unrelentingly committed to is the proclamation of the good news of God's grace no matter what the consequence is around that, because I do believe that the gospel changes everything. That's true for my life. I hope it's true for yours as well. The phone number is 888-644-4144. I'll say it again, 888-644-4144. We're also wanting to pray for your college-age students. Let's pray for revival. Let's pray today for sons and daughters, grandchildren to come to faith in Jesus Christ. York, as you look at uh, parents, as you talk to parents, and I know so much of your time is focused in on uh, ministry directly to university students, and I absolutely love that. But when you talk to parents, what are some of the tips that you give them on how to uh, cultivate a love for Jesus in a heart of, uh, of their sons and daughters, in particular, as they prepare and navigate through university season. And let me just say, for everybody who's listening, you're a dad who's walking that journey as well. So maybe just speak personally about that. Yeah. I, well, I can tell you after 30 years on, on campus, uh, what I've seen not work, and that is parents that try to overly control as your child gets older and older, you need to release more and more, empower them, help them to exercise uh, their freedoms responsibly. But you, you transfer that, uh, that role into being more of a coach. Uh, you know, so your parenting takes on a different role. And what's really sad, particularly uh, amongst Christian uh, parents, is that because they want the best, they want to safeguard their children, it's the motivation is, is, is good but they, they want to control their children as they're going off into college. And it never works. It never works. Now, your, your, your sons and daughters, they're going to make mistakes. There isn't a single parent who hasn't made mistakes. And so as they go off into college, they need to know that mom and dad are there to support them, to encourage them, to coach them, but not to control them. So I would say on the positive side, I think challenging your sons and daughters to embrace the opportunity as they explore adulthood which happens on that college campus. Now, we all know that college students are in different places. Some of them might as well be children <laughs> and they act like it on the college campus. But the vast majority of them are adults. They're, they're beginning to adult for the first time. And the best thing that we can do as Christian parents is to remind them of who they belong to. They have the, when I say, when my kids are going out, I said, now remember, you have my name. You are a more, that means something. I expect you to behave in a certain kind of way. But more importantly than that, you belong to the Lord. And the Lord sees everything if I don't see everything. I, you know, I can only check your phone so much. <laughs> I can right. only look over your shoulders so much. But the Lord knows it all. And so yeah. not necessarily instilling a sense of fear, but of reverence and, and respect yes. for your family, for your heritage, for your faith. Well, you, you've done a great job, man. So proud of you and your family. You guys are such a blessing. And just know that for a lot of us, uh, you guys have 
really been an encouragement. But I want to I want to just for a moment, though, just celebrate what it means to be a more. And the reason why I say that is because I know your story. And maybe for those who have never heard it, when you were growing up, there was a sign on your house that spoke about who the Moors were. What was that sign on your house? Well, when we had a house, we were homeless off and on at, a, at various points in time. In fact, we, we were homeless for a period of time right by your, your previous church uh, oh, and wow. um, yeah. off and on in the streets. But when we weren't homeless, we had a sign on the front of the home that said the Moors, the atheists. And we had a barrel on the side of the house for burning Bibles. My parents were followers of an atheistic philosopher named Ayn Rand. I'm named after her. My first name is Rand. And so we were taught at a very early age that there was no God, that people who were religious, they manufactured this idea of a deity to make sense of life or to justify their actions. And when I went to Michigan, my, my nickname in my fraternity was Satan because I persecuted Christians and wrote papers against Christians. And then I, then I met Jesus for myself and everything changed. You said at the beginning of this segment that the gospel changes everything. And it sure does. When you have a supernatural encounter with the living God, you can never be the same. Christianity isn't about a mental ascension. It's not about checking the box on a set of beliefs. It's about knowing the person of Jesus. And if you know him, you know that you can never be the same. Man, what a transformation testimony to go from the, the Moors, the atheists, with barrels for burning Bibles, to now you looking your kids in the eye saying, remember who you represent, that you're a Moor, that means something that we follow Christ. Friends, God is no respecter of persons. He does that for any of us that turn to yeah. him, that receive his gift, his invitation of relationship with him. And every single one of us knows what it's like to live with shame or guilt or mm -hmm. fear. You know, we all have had mark lives marked by those realities, and that comes as a result of sin and bad choices that harm our life. And in the lives of others, does damage to the lives of others. But York and I are uh, living examples, really, of the fact that God takes broken lives and he uh, can not only heal them, but make much of them. And when you choose to follow Jesus, when you accept his offer of love and his invitation to be a part of his forever family, it blesses not just you, but it blesses the generations that come after you. Who would have thought that uh, this guy that I'm talking to, who was on the campus of the University of Michigan in the 80s, would follow Jesus and that it would bless generations and that as a result, hundreds of thousands would come to faith in Christ. And as a result, hundreds of thousands more would be trained in evangelism. But that's what God can do in your life. And I know it's easy to look at your life and to say, man, Chris Brooks, you don't know, York Moore, you don't know how broken my life is. Maybe it's marked by addiction. Maybe it's marked by abuse, trauma, woundedness. And you're right. I, I don't know, but I do know Jesus. And I know this, that there is no trauma on earth that's greater than what he did on Calvary. Mm -hmm. There's no brokenness, no sin you can commit on earth that's greater than what he did on Calvary. And York is a witness to that as well. So I would love for you today that it, to begin a relationship with Jesus, to come to know him more than just 
as a religious figure, more than just as the man upstairs, more than just as a pen pal, a distant pen pal that other people talk about. I want you to know that he died for you to know him. And in a few short weeks, we'll be celebrating another Easter where we'll say he is risen, he is risen indeed. And the fact is, is that he went to that cross so that he could remove whatever barrier separated you from him. And he wants a relationship with you. And that's what we want for you, to know the joy of a relationship with Jesus. The phone number to connect with me or York is 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. 877-548-3675. York, um, I think it's appropriate to ask you a question, this question, why are you a follower of Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why not Mohammed? Why not uh, York more the atheist? Uh, why Jesus? Well, it's a great question. And I think it's a question that every single person needs to ask themselves. Uh, when I went to the university, uh, I didn't go to find a, a spouse or to get a great job. I, did, I went to discover, can there be meaning in life if there's no God? So if you start with the assumption that this is all there is, can we have meaning without what philosophers call transcendence? So I studied philosophy and psychology. I was an honor student in both those departments. And uh, after my third year, I, I basically decided at the, at the ripe old age of 20 that I had figured out all of life, that life actually has no meaning. When we die, we cease to exist. And any kind of meaning that, that there might be is all manufactured. It's just convenience. And that wasn't enough for me. So I decided to take my life. It was an intellectual decision. Uh, it didn't matter if I lived another 100 years or 100 million years. If you die and you cease to exist and life has no meaning, then it's all, it's all meaningless. And that's what the Bible says as well. Under the sun, life without God, life on this side of heaven with just this in our view, it's meaningless. It doesn't have any point. And so I thought, you know, <clears throat> before I kill myself, it's something so final. I better be sure about, uh, about the religions and I'd looked at Islam and I'd read the Quran and I'd looked at the Hinduism and read the Upanishads and Buddhism and all the isms. And as far as I could tell as a young scholar, the only religion in the world that had a stipulation of exclusivity was the Christian religion. Jesus said things like, uh, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible says it's appointed on a man once to die and then to face judgment. So these, these terrible... Um, dichotomous statements about the reality of what it means to pass from this world to the next without the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no other religion saying these things. So I knew that the only religion I had to actually exclude as a possibility was the Christian religion. So Chris, I went on an interviewing spree. I had a pastor friend uh, just because the ladies in the church were easier to get along with, if you know what I mean, than the mm -hmm. ones who were outside of the church. And I sat down with the pastor. I said, Pastor Dave, how do you know God exists? And he said, well, you know, York, we don't really know if the Bible's God's word or Jesus was really born of a Virgin Mary. How can we know such things? And so he wasn't a, you know, a real Bible-believing Christian. It was, a, it was a demythologizing kind of church. But he gave me a stack of books, and I went on my way. I, I interviewed every Christian I could find, and uh, every Christian confirmed one thing to me, and that is that Christians largely don't have any reasons for why they believe. They just believe blindly. Maybe they were raised in the church, or they're hoping against hope. And that wasn't going to be good enough for me. So I said, well, what if God can speak for him or herself? So every day I'd cross my arms and I'd say, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, he, she, it, 
whoever you may be, show me the way. And I was looking for the angel Moroni to show up at the front door or some algorithm <laughs> in the sky. And when none of that happened, I said, well, that's it. There's a, there's really no God. It all came to a head December 24th, 1989. I'm sitting in the movie theater watching The Little Mermaid. And I had just gotten done praying this prayer as an atheist. Never let people tell you that atheists don't pray. We all pray. And, uh, you know, God didn't speak. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to kill myself. And I left that theater totally intending to take my life. And then God intervened. Friends, I'm telling you right now, he can meet you in a movie theater, through a radio program, in your car, on a university campus. When we come back from this break, I'm going to ask York to finish that story, and we're going to also invite you to call right now. Maybe today you need a relationship with Jesus for the first time or to come back to him again. You call. No shame, no guilt. Just call to receive his grace, his love, 877 877- 548-3675. We'll be right back. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. It would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus today. Simply call 877-548-3675. Again, give us a call at 877-548-3675. Friends, I got good news. And the good news is because of your partnership in the gospel, We hit our budgeted goal for this month. It is so awesome to know that we are in partnership together and to also know that lives are being changed by Jesus forever and for eternity. So thank you to each one that's called in today from Irene in Washington to Amy in Alabama to Brian in Florida. There was a wonderful minister in Illinois and a friend who called and said, I don't want to give my name, but just encourage Chris to keep doing what he's doing. So all of you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love and support for Equip. I do want to go to Marianne in Ohio. She's listening in Cleveland. Marianne, how can we pray for you today? Um, first of all, for my granddaughter, Harper, uh, she is not a believer, and she lives in her family. You know, my son and his wife and their kids live in Seattle. And she's starting into Tufts University in Medford, Massachusetts in the fall. And her, um, she wants to go into biomedical engineering, which I think is kind of very liberal. Um, okay. So as not a believer, I am constantly in prayer for her. Yeah. And can I say this? Can I say this, Marianne? I want to say that I'm really glad Harper's going into that. So many of my programs that I uh, have been doing lately have been focused in this area. And there's a need in this area to have people who are not only smart, but are followers of Jesus. And so it'll be our joy today to join in with you in praying for her to know Jesus. I do recognize as we send our kids uh, off to these uh, campuses 
that uh, one of the big concerns is that they'll be influenced away from Christ. But I want to pray. I'm going to ask York, rather, to pray that while she's at Tufts uh, University doing that biomedical engineering program, that she will be surrounded and encountering people who will bear witness to Jesus. And just like York, does she come to know Christ on a university campus? Uh, thank you, Marianne, for calling. Uh, York, do you mind praying for Harper uh, to, yeah. to know Jesus? For sure. Thank you, Marianne. Lord, we do pray for Harper. Lord, we believe that you are the God of science, that uh, every single detail that she will study in that biomedical engineering program, Lord, you're intimately aware of <clears throat> you've created the world and uh, you set us as meaning makers into the world to learn and to study and to explore and to discover and pray, Lord, that she would discover her creator, her maker, as she studies at Tufts, Lord God. We do pray, Lord, for a supernatural encounter as well, that you would draw near to her and that she would have no excuse but to recognize that you are, are, are drawing her near to you. Pray for Christian community, Lord God, that she would be surrounded by <clears throat> students who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who are inviting her into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bro, with a minute left, I cannot tell you how much I'm grateful for you carving out time uh, literally in your schedule that's been uh, so full to, to uh, join us on this Collegiate Day of Prayer. Before we let you go, how can we pray for you and CCO for those who want to get to know that ministry better, support that ministry? We have it on our website, on our social platforms, but how can we be praying for you guys? Yeah, for sure. So the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, has been doing ministry for about 50 years, largely in the region of Pennsylvania to D.C., and the Lord has opened doors now for us to grow nationally. We're growing fast in California and Florida. We have plans to come here to Michigan, all throughout the country. We're at, we're at the Ohio State University. And so just pray that as God opens the doors for us to expand, we would have the workers. The, the harvest is plentiful, but we need laborers in the harvest field. And so pray for young women and men who would be uh, willing to join staff with the CCO give their lives to campus ministry for the gospel and that the, the Lord would bless the CCO in our expansion. Father, thank you for York. Thank you for his precious family. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to let your hand be upon my brother, that you would bless his uh, marriage, that you would bless his children to flourish in you, that you would continue to fill his heart with great joy as he sees the gospel advancing from campus to campus to campus. Lord, the, the harvest is plentiful. We need laborers. And Lord, just raise up. Raise up a generation who will serve you, Lord, and continue to meet every need of the CCO so that we might see revival from campus to campus until all have heard, until Christ returns. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, York. Thank you. Bless love you, brother. All right, uh, friends, you can find out more at EquipRadio.org. And until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.